possessing Med Device Unleashed Podcast. Your next level source for all things sales and device. Now, here's your host, Jamie Tipton. Jamie Tipton. Okay, people, here we go. In this episode of Med Device Unleashed, we do a deep dive inside the mind of one of the finest medical device executives and dynamic leaders I know, Rob Benny, Chief Commercial Officer of Intersect ENT. Rob's responsible for helping build Intersect's business to over $100 million annually and has held a variety of high-ranking positions with top device companies. He's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to sales leadership and the world of medical device with over 20 years' experience. Let's do this thing. Here he is, Rob Benny. Okay, Rob. Welcome to Med Device Unleashed, man. Thanks for coming on. You bet. Thanks for having me, Jamie. I really appreciate it. No, anytime. I'll tell you this. I think the listeners are really going to enjoy this conversation, man. I've talked to a lot of people around the industry. I've worked, obviously, underneath your leadership. And so I know how dynamic you are. And you've had, obviously, a very illustrious career, really rock-solid guy, and excited to have you on. I know the listeners are going to get a ton out of it. Again, thanks for your time. You bet. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and appreciate the positive comments. I hope I live up to that in some way, shape or form, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, looking forward to just reconnecting with you. It's been a little while. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's been too long, man. So let's go ahead and swan dive into this thing, shall we? Let's talk about, obviously, Chief Commercial Officer. I think immediately leadership comes to mind. We were talking a little bit in the green room before this, just about how crucial leadership is in in any business and medical devices is no stranger to that. And so I think that medical device sales is already a very tough industry and a tough job. And if you don't have the right type of leadership in place, it makes it that much more difficult to be successful. And so I wanted to come right out of the gates and ask you, Rob, what's your leadership style and why do you think the way that you lead has been effective throughout your career? I appreciate the question. I'm not sure that you know the best way for me to answer is by describing a style necessarily. I try to stay away from characterizing things as if I have some sort of package style per se. Instead, I really, I think, have been able to be a student of really good leadership over the course of my career. I've studied it. I've been able to work underneath exceptional leaders. And what I've taken from those experiences is what I would, I guess, call my style, but it really is instead what I value in leadership. And it's what I myself try to aspire to as a leader. I think there's just a number of things that I have found to be very common characteristics of some of the best leaders that I've worked for in my career. And it starts with an authenticity. I have worked with, as I'm sure you have, leaders that have got the gift of the silver tongue. They're super intellectual, very smart individuals. They tend to be individuals that have got that charisma and whatnot, but I've, I've never found them to be particularly authentic or genuine. People that I felt were approachable necessarily. And I have conversely worked with people and been under the leadership of individuals that have been extraordinarily intelligent and charismatic and all those other attributes I just mentioned, but they've also been extremely approachable and authentic. And what I have found in sort of observing them and and working with them is that it sort of starts with taking a conscious effort to suppress the ego, if you will. 
and attempt to connect with people in a very real way and on a real personal level. And that authenticity I have found, and again, it's different for everybody, but I have found it to be a force multiplier as it relates to me wanting to overachieve for that individual as my leader. The best leaders that I've worked for and things that I've tried to also emulate are things like gratitude and integrity. You know, these are attributes that I think are oftentimes small gestures and efforts, especially in the case of gratitude, where people are expressing their thanks for effort and their gratefulness for your willingness to come join their team, if you will. And I find that that goes a long way. Integrity is something that is is a non-negotiable. And the individuals that I've worked for that I have tried to emulate have been of the highest integrity through and through. They're individuals that also are very direct. People call it transparency. But at the end of the day, I don't have a question about where I stand. I don't have a wonder about the direction of the organization or what they're thinking or any kind of question about whether or not they're being truthful. These are individuals that are very direct, very truthful, very transparent, sometimes to a fault, sometimes at the detriment of perhaps you know hurting people's feelings or at maybe hurting morale a little bit. But at the end of the day, I feel like that directness helps you to, again, connect with your leader. They're good communicators, individuals that communicate with frequency, individuals that are very articulate and are very clear in their communication. They're obviously visionaries, people that you know are able to articulate where we're going and why. They can cast a clear image of our North Star, if you want to call it that, that castle on the hill. I find them to be extremely, extremely strong in the aptitude of casting a vision. A couple other things that have described great leaders that I've worked for, and again, people that I've aspired to be, they're tenacious. When the chips are down and you're facing some tough times, these are individuals that are unfaltering. They're individuals that, again, at the end of the day, help mobilize, galvanize, and will do nothing to stop. At the end of the day, they're tenacious. They've got resolve and they're individuals that, again, are pushing toward that vision that they've been clearly articulating. And then last but not least, there are, I guess, a couple other attributes, to be quite frank. It's actually, they're individuals that are empathetic. They know what people go through. They have a tremendous amount of empathy for the difficulties, for instance, in the case of like a startup what it takes to really kind of build the airplane as you're flying it, if you will. These are individuals that know how difficult that is. They understand the obstacles that an organization faces. They also connect with people on the personal level from an empathy standpoint. They're just very, very strong in the category of empathy. And last but not least, they're people that are very balanced. They're individuals that in good times and bad, they tend to be very stable individuals. They tend to not get rattled easily. They tend to not get too emotional. We all get emotional, I being one. And as I've, I guess, matured in my own career, I've tried to harness that emotion a bit more because when you're building organizations or if you're in an athletic pursuit or heck, if you're raising kids, as a for instance, you know, there is this natural tendency to default to emotion. And I think at times, you know, that can be helpful especially in the case of a competitive pursuit, for instance. But a lot of times it also can lead to poor judgment 
And I've found that the best leaders that I've worked for and somebody that I aspire to is really stable, if you will. They're rock solid in tough times and they're rock solid in the good times. And I find that balance really helps me to, again, kind of maintain my focus and my stability, if you will. No, Rob, I was going to ask you a quick question, kind of an offshoot of something you mentioned earlier. Obviously, a ton. I mean, like you just explained, I mean, and you hit the nail on the head in, in every way there. You know, when it comes to leadership, and you said that you studied leadership a little bit, and I would bet that you've read a few things on it. What are some books or some websites or something that you've seen that the listeners can go maybe learn a little bit more about leadership or anything like of that matter? Well, I tell you what I would like to do if I can. Can I send you a list of my top 10? Because there's a bunch of them. You can go from John Maxwell to, you know, the invaluable laws of leadership and growth. I mean, you can get into discussions on leadership with Ryan Holiday's book, who I'm really into right now. You can get into the readings of Churchill. I mean, there's just a lot of different directions I can go. And what I would love to do is give you a top 10 list, if you will, because I... No, that's perfect. I think there's a lot. Yeah, and we can do that too. And actually, so the listeners know, at the end of this, Rob, once he sends me over the list, we'll have those links and those suggestions kind of in the comments below when the episode posts. And I will tell you, we just talked about kind of your version of leadership and the people that you've kind of aspired and took things from throughout your career. And it's only, I got on Google and I was like, man, I'm just going to Google leadership. And you Google leadership and there's about a million and a half definitions of what leadership is. And you, at the very end of what you were just discussing, you said, no matter what, they're rock solid, no matter the tough times or the great times, right? They're steadfast. And there was a quote that I really liked. I actually wrote this down. It was, leadership defines what the future should look like, aligns people with the vision, inspires them to make it happen despite the obstacles. Yeah, I love it. That kind of stood out to me. Everything you just said kind of builds right into that. And looking at your career, you've done a multitude of different things, which I love, Rob. I mean, you've carried the bag right on up to chief commercial officer and everything in between. We could probably talk for three hours just about your career and, and everything you've done. But I wanted to ask you, so regional manager for Santa Fe. Yeah. What was your favorite thing about being a regional manager? Yeah, you know, that was... My first foray into leadership. And so a little bit of, I guess, my history. When I came out of college, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I honestly did not know that I was going to end up in sales, let alone sales leadership and then executive leadership. Um, you know, when I came out, I knew that I had a affinity for biology and for the life sciences. I, at one point, thought I was going to aspire to becoming a physician, but clearly did not have the discipline to balance academics and just the absolute discipline you've got to have to become a physician. And so college kind of took over. But the other thing I liked was I liked the social aspects too, of <laughs> connecting with people and whatnot. And so that's how I ended up in pharmaceutical sales, of all things. And what I found pretty quickly was I really enjoyed the sales process in the pharmaceutical world. Now, remember, this was in the 90s. Things were a little different back in those days, but you had a lot of access to customers. In the case of myself, I was selling cardiovascular products, the first calcium channel blocker, as well as diabetes products. And I really enjoyed the science and being able to bring value to customers. 
But more importantly, after a couple of years, what I found was that peers of mine would call me and they'd call me for advice and on idea sharing, on maybe new approaches. And I really enjoyed that aspect of the job. I then became a field trainer. I then was put into a leadership development course. And, you know, then I went in house and became a trainer. And what I found was really my connection with leading people. And to your question around becoming a region manager, what did I enjoy? I enjoyed helping people, people on my team, as the case was with being a region manager, but even as a field trainer, helping people realize that they could achieve a certain objective or a goal, helping them improve, helping them gain confidence, helping them gain proficiency. And I enjoyed in a very humble way, like being an asset and a resource for people. And honestly, that was really where my connection to being a sales leader started was when I was granted the opportunity to become a region manager. And it was eye-opening for me as a first-time region manager. It was no longer so much about making as much money as possible as much as it was about seeing my team achieve goals and their individual goals and then also our team shared goals. It was about seeing people again, gain that confidence that comes with realizing they can become more than they thought they could, seeing people navigate tough times and challenges and come out the other side with a good result. Like all those things really gave me a tremendous amount of feeling of accomplishment and worth. And that was really where I started to connect with, you know, maybe this pathway to sales leadership or executive leadership might be the right course for me. That's really interesting because I'll tell you, I really personally too enjoy, I've been in field sales trainer roles and I do personnel development and helping your teammates achieve more and actually seeing the person, you know, let's say you're a field sales trainer, actually seeing the person that you trained take it to the top and go number one, you know, and you played a part in that success. I mean, it makes you feel good, but you feel better for that other person. And so I can definitely relate to that. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that especially regional managers now that are wondering, you know, where's my next step? You know, I'm a regional manager. I've been one for five years, man. What do I need to improve and hone on to really be able to take that next step to maybe get that vice? Because, you know, it's either they're looking to go to vice president of sales or running a sales force of their own, or maybe they want to stay regional manager. Who knows? But what advice would you give to that person that's saying, I don't know what I need to do or work on, but what can make me kind of take it to the next level? Let me just ask a clarifying question. When you say next level, we're assuming in this scenario, talking about a rep that perhaps wants to pursue a career in management or leadership. Sure. I mean, I think for me, you know, I've touched on it a little bit, but it's important to have self-awareness about why you want to lead people. The focus has got to be less on yourself and more on, I guess what I would say is helping others. If you enjoy helping other people achieve goals, develop and grow, then you likely belong in leadership, to be perfectly honest with you. If you spend time in your day thinking about more about your income and your achievements and your results, then I would submit to you, you probably won't like leadership. You know, and listen, that's okay. I mean, that is okay. We are all wired differently. You know, I will tell you just from my own personal experiences, the worst thing I can do as a leader is promote somebody just because they were just an exceptional sales professional 
and promote them into sales management. I am doing them a disservice because at the end of the day, they've got to really want it. And they've got to really want to, again, lead people. And as I said before, it's okay. Being you know, an absolute rock star sales professional and not really caring about necessarily developing other people, that's perfectly fine. You know, it doesn't mean you're selfish. It's just kind of how we're all wired and sort of what we gravitate towards as we evolve in, in our careers. And I guess what I would say is just know who you are before jumping into leadership. The other thing I try to point out is know the difference between a leader and a manager. When I am putting a team together, I think it's really important to find leaders versus just managers. And, you know, honestly, I don't need people who know how to manage results on an Excel spreadsheet or dazzle with their TPS reports. For those of you that are fans of the movie Office Space, (laughs) (laughs) what is more necessary from my vantage point, especially when building a team, is is someone who's going to jump in alongside of their team and get busy with problem solving and skill development and encouragement and simply, you know, being the first one to pick up the flag and lead a team into battle when necessary. And again, that is the essence of leadership, managing from behind a desk and holding numbers over people's heads and whatnot and just hammering your team about your sales performance. I guess there's a component of that you're managing performance, but there's a way to do it that I think is different between managers and leaders, if that makes sense. The only other thing that I would add here is that you're just not born into leadership in my estimation. You know, you grow into a good leader. And what I would suggest is find leaders that you respect and pick their brains, learn from them, you know, emulate them. As I said before, I've been the fortunate recipient of working for some just incredible leaders and people that have just walked the walk and talked the talk. You know, they're all human beings and they've got their own flaws, but at the core, they screamed leadership. And for those mentors that possess a sincere authenticity and people that I truly emulate, you know, I've tried to be a sponge. I listen to how they speak. It's different. It's very different. And what I would implore you to do is to keep those mentors close as you will continue to learn from them, even as you advance in your own career as a leader. And the last note here is, Beware of those leaders who are self-proclaimed leaders and they follow their quote-unquote textbook on leadership from Wharton. I think that's important. And having, you know, somebody that's a student of leadership is important. I pride myself on being one, but you can't just lead from what you've read. You know, a lot of that comes from life experience. And, you know, at the end of the day, as somebody speaking to a rep who's wondering whether or not sales management or leadership is their next step. I would suggest that understand that you may not know yet, you know, so seek out individuals that you respect in those functions and ask questions and become a student, because I think at the end of the day, it's going to help direct your path, if you will. Sorry, man, that was a lot of extra commentary there, but something like that. No, you're good, Rob. All good stuff. It makes perfect sense. Everything you just outlined there, that's perfect advice to give somebody who's thinking about this, because most people, I mean, I would say, Pretty much all reps, I mean, once you get past a certain point, they're thinking, is sales management, is this going to be right for me? And I think you just outlined a great way to kind of tease that out. May not happen right away, like you said, but I will ask you too, though, I want to harp on the region manager thing for a minute because I want to ask you, I mean, I've seen you, I've seen you work in person, right? So I have that advantage. And I know that you love to be with the customers. And so 
and the reps probably for that matter. So when you were in the field and rode with a rep, did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy getting out in the field? And if so, do you have any stories, any kind of short stories about reps that were funny or anything like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back in the recesses here and come up with a couple. I've got a lot of them, actually. And I will not give names, but I will just tell you that to answer the question directly, I love being out in the field with the team. I love being out with the team. I love being out with customers at the end of the day. I don't know how you as a sales rep, sales manager, sales leader cannot not like being out in the field with customers. I mean, that's what we do at the end of the day. If you don't have an obsession for bringing value to customers, if you don't have an obsession with bringing value to you know, their practices, I don't know why you're in the business you're in. At the end of the day, if you don't have an obsession with improving patient outcomes, again, I don't really know why you're doing what you do, if that makes sense. So yes, I really felt like at the end of the day, it was a, a means for me to stay connected with the team and a means for me to stay connected with our customers. And that, to this day, still remains. I love being with the people that we serve, which is our customers, and that will never change. In terms of times out in the field, I've got a lot of war stories. I will tell you, and this individual will know exactly who I'm talking about if they happen to be listening, but it was a huge customer dinner that we had, and we had the opportunity to break some bread, talk business, talk patients, talk their practice. And at the end of it, you know, I think these customers had not been out for some time. And I mean, my dinner must have ended at one in the morning and I'm exhausted. I've been on the road for days straight and the evening culminated in the rep and myself not being able to navigate our way back to the hotel not because of having too many cocktails. You just couldn't figure out how to get back. And so we ended up with a late night Taco Bell run. And finally, around two in the morning, I ended up back at my hotel only for a you know very quintessential, of course, 4.35 a.m. wake-up call, which I think was by design, so I never come back. So it was one of those nights where you're just like, why do I do what I do? But then what ensued was just an incredible day the next day where again, we brought value to customers and whatnot. I think evenings like that have aged me dramatically, but they stick with you. It must have been before the Google Maps, Rob. Yeah, I just dated myself. Yeah, <laughs> big time. I was going to tell you too, I mean, my story not nearly as good, but with the previous company, I had the vice president of sales at the time, my boss's boss in the car. We're driving in Houston and you know, I'm relatively new in Houston. I've been around for a little bit, about a year. So, I mean, I knew where I was going and this is with Apple Maps and Google and all that good stuff, right? So, I mean, you can't really say you didn't know where you were going here, but I was cruising around town. I was a little nervous to have him in the car. I was a young rep and I actually got robbed. I was backing out of a space and I actually ran into with the vice president of sales. Keep in mind, I had a company car at the time. I ran the car into somebody. I had a fender bender with this dude in my car. I was mortified for months. He didn't make a big deal about it, but that'll never leave me. The way that I felt, I would not wish that upon any human being. Seriously, it was unbelievable. We were good, but I was like, all right, I'm fired. I'm going to be looking for a new job next week. So, <laughs> I've got a hundred stories and sometimes you'll have to ask me about my 
training experience in my training class when I was in the pharmaceutical industry. It'll get a laugh out of you. Pharmaceuticals in the 90s, definitely a different, like you had said earlier, that's a different time as well. I'm sure that you have some awesome stories, but hey, we'll have to have you on again for sure. I was going to ask you too, Rob, you've probably interviewed a million people. Okay. And we actually just in episode one, we had the CEO of Chase MedSearch, Jordan Chase on the podcast. You know, we talked all about breaking in and interviews and resume tips, stuff like that. But from your standpoint, being you've interviewed so many people, I wanted to ask you, what's one innate quality when you're sitting down and interviewing? And by the time they get to you, right? I mean, let's just say you're an access closure director of sales. You know, what are you looking for? What's that one quality where you're like, man, this guy, this, this guy or girl gets it and they're going to be able to get in and drive results quickly? Yeah, that's a really tough question to nail down to just one quality. I'm going to be elusive here and not answer it directly because I don't have one quality that I look for. Sorry, I wish I did. What I will tell you is this. The people that you sit down with, most of them have got a pretty strong track record of results. They're individuals that are accomplished. They're individuals that have got all those attributes that I think you can pick up on pretty quickly in a 15 minutes of an interview for that matter. Passion, integrity, etc. And so I don't have one thing that I necessarily look for. I will say I do look for people that have got a good story. And that story is more than just their last job or two or three. It's their life story, if you will. I'll take you back a bit and kind of tie this into my story. You know, I as a kid about to go to college, watched my father lose everything. He stared at me in the living room for the first time, you know, saw some tears in his eyes. And he basically told me he'd lost his job. We'd lost some money and whatnot. And I was going to be having to find my way through college. And I will tell you, as a younger kid going to college, that really was a tough moment in my life. It was the first time I'd seen my father really vulnerable. And my mom, by the way, during that time was absolute rock solid, just an absolute rock in our family. But, you know, it ripped at the fabric of your security as a kid. And, you know, at the end of the day, I won't lie. I will tell you, there was moments of resentment. Like, why do I have to work my way through college? Why do I have to pay my way? And, you know, it just seemed a little more difficult for me. But I truly believe that while that was a difficult time in my life, it formed the basis of a work ethic that to this day I'm very proud of and I think has really helped me in my pursuits. I will tell you that it helped me to build a tremendous amount of confidence despite the fact that, you know, as I said before, it ripped at the fabric of security in my family. You know, at the time it didn't feel like that, but when I look back at it and put the dots together, you know, it really helped to at a young age kind of develop a tremendous amount of confidence in me that, you know, I could accomplish certain things. And, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's got a different story, but those pieces outside of just your resume, right? And your last couple of jobs are what's really important to me. So if you're looking for one innate thing, I'm looking for some sort of evidence in your life story that tells me that you're going to be a high integrity, hardworking person, somebody that at the end of the day, you know, I can trust with the assets of the company or trust as a teammate, those types of things. And I ask really simple questions, you know, when I'm going into interviews, you know, can I trust you? Do you possess kind of grit, resolve and tenacity? Do you care more than just making money, you know, and are you a good person, like somebody that I want to be around? And I've said it at Intersect, 
you know, and I'll say it again, you know, when we started building the organization, the commercial organization, I was willing to give up a few dollars of top line revenue for somebody that I just wanted to be around, if that makes sense. And somebody that was sharing of the similar value set, you know, somebody that had high integrity, somebody that was going to work their tails off in the pursuit of the shared vision. And, you know, at the end of the day, while not perfect, I think it has produced results throughout my career and interviewing. I can completely relate to, you know, in my career, you know, I don't have 20 plus years in this industry like you, Rob, but I enjoy talking to people and telling my story a little bit and hearing other people's kind of story of resolve, tenacity. I mean, whatever your story is, when you're in sales, you're building your own story and your own legacy, so to speak, every day you get up and leave the house. And, you know, I remember being with Henry Schein Medical, my first job out of school, and I was 100% commissions. And I had no, I moved to Myrtle Beach on my own out of small territory. You know, if I didn't sell anything, I wasn't paying my light bill. I mean, it was like that for me. And so it's a different feeling. It hits a little bit different when you're getting up and you've got to have that grit and you don't want to come off desperate to the cut. I mean, you got to know your stuff and go out there and have a plan and execute it. And I'll tell you that experience with Henry Shine for me, I think really cemented my love for sales and the work ethic. Every day I got up and ran that little report, my little TPS report on my computer. And it said, hey, you sold you know, six boxes of gauze yesterday. That wasn't going to cut it for me. That wasn't going to be it. Like That wasn't going to be my legacy with Henry Shine. And that's not how I was going to roll. When you took that accountability, there's no victims, right? Nobody's doing it for you. And you got to go out and do it yourself. You know, And that's part of the battle. And I was going to tell you too, I got a ton of respect for what you've done in your career, like I said earlier. And with Intersect in particular too, I mean, just look at your track record with Intersect. That's just a phenomenal company coming in, vice president of sales, all the way up to now you're the CCO. That ride has been, it had to have been an unbelievable, and it's not over yet, but it's probably an unbelievable ride. Tons of stories come out of that. But if you could give advice, I've been asking you to give a lot of advice on this podcast, but stick with me. If you could give advice to Rob Benny at vice president of sales and Rob Benny at chief commercial officer, what would that be? If you could go back to a younger Rob Benny and give advice to yourself? Man, that's a good question. You know, I will tell you, if I were to give myself some advice as a VP of sales, I think I would say, buckle up because it's not going to go according to plan ever. You're going to face a tremendous amount of adversity. But if you got the right frame and the right team around you, you're going to navigate that adversity. At the end of the day, you know, adversity it is a part of everybody's life. And I think that when I joined Intersect, I had this, I think, playbook, if you will, that I took from Access Closure and, and that experience. And it was nothing like it. And we faced a tremendous challenge. And adversity, by its very nature, it creates stress and anxiety. And, you know, it elicits the age old flight or fight response. And, you know, adversity brings with it a whole host of emotions, impulses, and, and often if allowed, it, you know, can make people to make some rash decisions. And I'm personally guilty of it. But over time, I've come to appreciate that the best leaders that I've worked with and for have found a way to look at adversity objectively. You know, and I mentioned Ryan Holiday earlier. I've really been into his books recently. And in the book, The Obstacle is the Way, he states that a leader's ability to view events objectively without assigning designations such as good or bad, it allows one to strip the emotion out of the decision-making process. It 
frees up your energy to focus on the task at hand, the decision to be made, and ensures a more rational thought process. And as I've evolved in my own career here, that's what I really strive for over the years. It's an effort to devote my energy during times of crisis and adversity for making good, sound decisions through critical thinking versus an emotional reaction, if you will. And we talked earlier about the importance of good judgment and some of the best leaders that I've worked for in my career having just that balance, right? They've always got exceptional judgment, it always appears. And they've got that calm that kind of breeds more calm. And to your question, you know, if I were speaking to the Rob Binney from 2011, I would say, understand that adversity is a function of this process, right? Of building great organizations, of pursuing any great pursuit, whatever it is, right? Of parenting, as a for instance, and understand that your ability to strip away the designations of this is a good event or a bad event, and instead view events as simply being that, events, right? That you need to work through and critically problem solve against and those types of things. That's a skill that I don't know if I had back in 2011, but I think I've developed it, you know, over the course of the last nine years. And, you know, it's hard to come by because natural DNA, you know, kind of screams when tough circumstances arise or challenges or issues that you're dealing with, you want to react, right, through DNA, if you will, and just sort of how you're wired. And I found that if I'm able to look at events more objectively, I make better decisions. And the other thing that I would suggest is that talking to myself in 2011 is understand that you've got to have tenacity, you've got to have resolve, and that just unwavering belief that you're going to get through things and be able to solve problems. That's something that I really believe is characteristic of the entire team at Intersect. You were a part of it. You know, as we went through the ups and the downs, people stuck with it and people had just tremendous resolve and grit and tenacity. And that's made all the difference for the organization, the run that we've been on. Yeah, Rob, to your point, I mean, that tenacity and that grit, I mean, all that stuff plus more is evident in Intersex DNA. I mean, you're obviously a big part of that DNA and have been for a long time. I was going to ask you, hopefully this isn't too personal of a deal. I don't think it will be. I think you'll be cool with it. But in talking to a lot of leaders around the industry and just kind of my network that I know, which you know, I don't know everybody, but I try and take bits and pieces from people as well. And one thing I've noticed is a lot of leaders like yourself have certain habits, maybe like, do you have a morning ritual? Do you have something you do on a daily basis? that kind of helps you center everything and kind of almost center the cheese, so to speak, for lack of a better term? Yeah, you know, everybody's a little different in that regard. I will tell you, I do nothing without caffeine. So that's a good start. It is a ritual and a routine. <laughs> I get up pretty early and I get to the coffee very quickly. I have actually, and I referenced Ryan Holiday earlier, I've also read his book, Stillness is the Key. And I actually try to, over a cup of coffee, either read, as I mentioned, I've been reading some of his books, or I do try to work out, although it doesn't probably look like it. It still is a good release for me. And I also spend a fair amount of time in just sort of catch up. My morning routine involves catching up, if you will, because I tend to, 
at some point in the evening, shut things down and just say enough. Then I spend time, you know, in the quiet hours of the early morning trying to get myself caught up. So there's a combination of caffeine, generally some form of workout, some sort of quiet time, whether that's just time to think or time to read, and then some time to catch up. And those are sort of my sequence. And I will tell you, it's hard because I travel a tremendous amount and have for the last couple of decades. But I do try to maintain that throughout, even when I'm traveling. And it's harder. Trust me. It is much more difficult. And you know what? There are times when I just throw that all out the window when when I'm in a different time zone and I've not had great sleep. I'd rather take an hour of extra sleep than get up and force myself up, if you know what I mean. Those buckets are pretty much what I try to focus on for the most part. No, and that's great. I mean, that's exactly kind of what I mean. In the morning, it's a big deal for me, too. I mean, obviously, I'm not the CCO of a company. My morning, you know, looks a little bit different for me, but I like to kind of get in my own zone, look at the plan, not second by second, but, you know, I have some direction every day. And, you know, I do try to read a little bit in the morning as well. So very similar. And it just lets me know I'm on the right track. I'm on the Rob Bunny track. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, bud. Well, I will tell you, we've ran out of time, but this has been unbelievable. It's been everything I thought it would be plus some. I know the listeners are definitely going to agree with me when they listen to this. So can you tell the listeners, I mean, is there anywhere where they can find you? I mean, obviously LinkedIn, Rob Benny, but yeah. anywhere else? Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn is probably the best bet. I'm pretty accessible there. I give out my email, but I don't check it that often. And, you know, you'll be buried with my bills and solicitors. <laughs> I think LinkedIn's a great vehicle for communication. I'd love to communicate with anybody that's got any questions or shared interests or reconnections from people in the past. I know I've worked with probably a lot of your listeners at one point or another in my careers. I commend you, man. I think it's a great venue and vehicle for connecting with the med device and pharmaceutical and biotech community and probably, uh, I think, really, really valuable resource for many of them. And it's great to see you're doing well. And it's great to connect again. Excellent, Rob. No, it's good to connect with you, sir. Take care of yourself and we'll talk to you soon. 